I love the fact as I was preparing this message and uh, I had Lindsay kind of help me look at it a little bit and I was like, wait a minute, this is actually a really, really good opportunity for small groups because where two or three are gathered, there I am in their presence. Jesus is there when you're together. That the, you, you look at it as we come together. Don't you get excited when you start talking with either in the church or with your, with your best friends talking about something that you're really passionate about? Don't you get, oh, like, I want to go do that. It could be knitting. Oh, wow, you do this and that. Wow, I never thought about that. Let's keep building on that. You get excited. You get passionate. And then also what that does is it positively affects your community. Pulling on heaven. A while ago... I've mentioned, I think, a few times in my, in my sermons that, I, that I've had a moment in my, my biblical studies where I actually had to really learn how to pull on heaven. And one of the examples and one of the testimonies I had, which was really profound, was the fact that I had encountered Jesus in a vision because I just positioned myself in surrender and worship. But leading up to that, I actually, as I was preparing this, I thought, oh, I forgot about these other things that built up to that. There was a daily daily walk that I had to have in my life where I had to pull on heaven. I had to pull on God's promises that he protects and he surrounds me and puts my feet on a solid rock that his, by his stripes I was healed. And even though I didn't feel good, even though I didn't have the peace, I knew my spirit knew that I needed to trust in that and pull on that every day. And so one day while I'm cleaning at the Civic Auditorium, I've got a rag in one hand, Phil can relate to this, I've got a rag in one hand and the spray bottle in the other, I'm doing my thing, thoughts are going on, my body's manifesting a thing that I don't really like, and it's creating me to be a bit fearful, and I said, no, I'm pulling on you, God. I just, in, my, in my time, thankfully, there were not a lot of people around, I was just verbally declaring who God is. And in that moment... Me continually pressing in and pulling on that this, it, day by day. But in this one moment, all of a sudden, without any like, sound of trumpets or anything like that, all of a sudden, boom, I literally had to put my rag and bottle down because the presence of God came on me so hard. All I could do was just be honor the presence of God. I don't know about you, but have you ever been in that position when you had the opportunity just to press in and pull on God? Because from that moment, every little doubt vanished. Every little discussion that was going on in my heart and my body stopped. Everything that would cause me to want to press into the lie caused me to want to worship the truth. And as that, as that built in my life and my heart, I just was like, wow, this is awesome. I literally, there was like an electric blanket around me. I felt alive. I felt on fire. I felt peace. I felt hope on and on. And so I went to go on to do my little cleaning responsibilities. So this is towards the end of the day. The schools uh, was done for the week. The students were left. Um, There's a few people left in the box office. It was a building where they would sell tickets for venues and concerts and stuff outside of the school. Uh, it was an auditorium for that. And one of the events managers was sitting in the office kind of wrapping up her stuff for the week and getting ready for the weekend. I believe we had a concert coming in, and she was stressed out. So I come in, and I love that I worked with a team of believers, but we were all pretty vulnerable to say, I'm not doing too good. And so I came in, and I asked her, hey, Julie, what's going on? And she said, oh, this, this email and this guy, he's just, just giving me every other word on the phone because of something that messed up uh, with, with a crew that's coming in, and she, she's stressed. She's feeling the pressure. And I said, look, 
I don't know about you, but you know, just now, I just had an encounter with the presence. It's still on me, and I want to testify to that. I want to encourage you because it doesn't matter whether you're feeling something physical or emotional. God can come in and, and change that. And so I released that over her. We started praying. We both, at the end of that, were just wrecked by the presence of God. How awesome is that to do that and work? You know, and if you ever have experienced that in your life, I would hope that you would want to share that with someone who needs to hear Hear, hear that. That's freedom. We need to pull on heaven. We need to position ourselves. Pulling on heaven is saying, God, I need you and only you. Pulling on heaven is, is it's not just a fancy saying, but it is a constant awareness like, God, there's a tension that I need to, to feel in my life so I, can, so I can walk into the freedom that you have for me. So number one, you pull on heaven by positioning your heart. You pull on heaven by positioning your heart. For me, as, I, as I've done kind of studies a little bit on the heart, you know, in Hebrew, the heart is not this beating thing in your chest so much. It's more of an a illustrative thing of the heart is the emotional seat. It's your gut. As a kid, I, I used to play sports. I used to play soccer, baseball. Um, uh, what else did I play? Hockey. And as I got ready to go play my games... I always get butterflies. Y'all ever had butterflies before you get ready to do something? You're kind of excited. You're like, ooh, this is going to be fun, but I don't know. I'm a little nervous. Yeah, that's, your, that's your, your heart activating. And do you know that actually in your gut, it's actually considered your second brain? There's as many cells and things happening and processes happening in your gut as it is in your head. And so I think we need to position our heart, yes, spiritually, and emotionally, and be, have a bit of discernment. We need to pull on heaven and go, wait a minute, that doesn't feel so good. You know, you're not your feelings, ultimately. Even though I was in a moment where I wasn't feeling peace, I wasn't feeling a whole lot of hope, I knew, wait a minute, that's not me. God paid for me on the cross. He paid for what I'm going through on the cross. I need to position myself. I need to pull on you, Jesus, because you are my hope. You are my breakthrough. You are my healing. See, as we pull on heaven, we position our hearts, it's to encounter the presence and the holy fire of God. It is not this, it is, there is a time where we just carry peace. We carry assurance and confidence in who God is. But there is a passion that needs to stir in our lives. We need to pull on heaven because, look, we can walk around kind of like, oh, yeah, I love God. Do you? No, on Sundays. Now, come on. You're Christians. Christ Christianity is a lifestyle. It is not this thing we do on Sundays. Yeah. You know, I love William Booth. As I was looking into this, he just stood out to me as a, as a revivalist, the man who started the Salvation Army. But he had a heart for, for those that were broken, that were hurting, that were in need. And he says this, the tendency of a fire is to go out. Oh, yeah. Watch the fire on the altar of your heart. Anyone who has tendered a fireplace knows that it needs to be stirred occasionally. Right? If you ever, ever, if you have a wood fireplace, you need to tender it. You need to kind of poke at it at times. You need to move things around. You need to add more logs to it. How are you stirring your hearts? Are you letting the world try to dictate constantly and saying, oh, well, I don't know, well, the presidential election, gosh, in the United States, Ooh, Trump and Biden, whatever. 
Are you letting the politics, or are you allowing the world to speak louder into your life and trying to dictate your peace and what you need to do? Or are you going to simply have a bit of faith and trust that God is actually looking to measure your faith a little bit because he wants to give you the abundance of him, but if you're not ready for it, if you're not willing to accept the fact that, God, I need to have a lot more faith than I have right now, what are you doing to stir your heart? I love in Luke 24, 32. This is a great example of a little microgroup. You know, the disciples just become aware that they're walking down on the road to Emmaus, and it says this, and they say to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Can you imagine if you were in their shoes? Wouldn't you be a little excited? Wouldn't you be a little more passionate? A little microgroup talking about what Jesus was doing and saying, as they finally realized they were walking with a resurrected king of kings? What does it look like for heaven to invade your heart? I love this other verse, and it's the Passion Translation to Romans 12, 11. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord. Be enthusiastic to serve. Not be, uh, uh, I suppose so. (laughs) Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot. Boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Phil, I think you can maybe relate at times. You know, I'm, cleaning is not always the most glorious thing, but I know when I was cleaning the toilets, there were times where I would rather be doing other things, but I thought, wait a minute, stop, put the brakes on. If I'm scrubbing a toilet, I've said this before, if I'm cleaning this place and it actually hosts the presence of God, then you know what? I want that to be with excellence. I want to see God come in and intervene in that. However that may look, whether I got a toilet brush in hand or I got the Bible in the other, doesn't matter. I want to be serving the Lord and seeing God getting his due reward because I want to be boiling hot. I don't want to be attempted something that's willing to be rejected from the mouth of God. I want to be boiling hot. And he goes, ooh, that tastes good. That tastes good. One of the ways we can actually do that position our hearts is to actually just spend some time each day. I loved on our, our staff planning time, uh, Peter had us a couple of mornings to spend five minutes quieting your mind. As much as you need to be boiling hot, sometimes you need to kind of figure out how to turn on the dial too. If you've got everything else going on in your life, you're not going to know, oh, what, how do I become boiling hot? You're going to make it this striving thing. And I loved how we spent five minutes just simply breathing and coming aware of God in our life. And we actually then were able to enter in and go, wow, okay. All these little conversations that were going on in my head that I didn't realize were going on just as we were kind of waking up like you guys are. We, right, Frank? We were all sitting there kind of like, there was a lot going on. We could hear the birds chirping. You could hear the construction out in the back of the canal happening. And we're like, there's a lot of distractions on this planet. <laughs> and we said, no, we're going to be intentional. And we're going re- to find peace. And we're going to make God a priority. And we're going to start a day right, focused on you. That was a good time, and we encouraged one another. So we position our hearts. Number two, you pull on heaven by staying hungry for more of God. Yeah. Stay, you pull on heaven by staying hungry for more of God. Um, I was re- watching a sermon the other day, and Bill Johnson said this. He was actually talking on hunger, but he said, one of the most challenging products of a Christian life is to be full and hungry at the same time. Whoa. Whoa. One of the most challenging products of the Christian life is to be full and hungry at the same time. How many of you would like more of God? 
right? How many of you feel full? I think we all should. You know, I think a lot of us, especially the Western Christian world, are quite full in terms of what we have available and we have access to and the opportunities to spend time with God every day, unlike maybe the church in China who's underground, who actually probably has, I'll say, a bit more hunger because, well, when the pressure comes, what's your hope? You know, I think we get a bit comfortable and complacent in this life as a Christian. I do. I'm, I'll admit that. I've been walking around pretty full and like, eh, I don't have to do that right now. I've got other things I need to do. We need to be pulling on heaven and staying hungry for more. When we stay hungry for God, we allow an increase of heaven. And Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, where they shall be filled. This is Jesus speaking the Beatitudes just after he came out of, of a 40-day journey and fast out in the desert, fending off Satan, being confronted, challenging his identity, who he is, and Jesus at the end of that, I'm sure was quite hungry. You ever thought about that? I'm, he, it says that he was hungry. In fact, by the end of that journey, he had to be encouraged by angelic hosts. That's pretty full on. I think we have it pretty easy in a lot of places compared to that. And thankfully, Jesus paved the way for us. But he said, as he's talking on the Beatitudes, trying to encourage people, even though he probably was exhausted, and he just actually was baptized, and the Holy Spirit came on him, he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Are you hungry and thirsty today? You know, hunger actually is something I know we all face. As soon as I wake up in the morning, my tummy goes, you know, I'm like, ooh, and he got coffee, please, first thing, coffee, I'm thirsty. You know, in the natural, hunger is something that we, we become aware of when our body tells us. But in the spirit, it's the opposite. The more you feast on God's promises, the more you press into his presence, the more you worship, it, it's, not, it's not the striving thing, but it's positioning thing that's saying, God, I want more of you because irregardless of what's going on in my life, whether I feel it or not, I want more of you because I'm not going to let my circumstances dictate who you are and who, what provisions you have for my life, the breakthrough I have for my life. I want to feast upon you, Jesus. If not, I would say you're probably cultivating dissatisfaction. I'm just as guilty. I'm preaching to myself as I preach to you. There are many times where I find myself a bit complacent. And that's the last thing I think any of us need in our lives to be is be complacent with what God is doing. Complacency kills the move of God because it says, God, I trust in my own needs. Thank you. I'm full. Um, I'll come back to you later, uh, maybe next week when I'm, I, I might be hungry. Let me see if I can fit that in my schedule. Um, no, it's saying, God, I, I don't care. You, every day, you are my priority. You're my focus. Because you know what? After so many years, this is just about a blip where we're going to be sitting with the king of kings and with him in heaven, however that may look. And I hope you don't want to look back and go, whoa, I wish I would have spent more time with you. I know as Peter experienced, I don't want to be told by Jesus, get behind me, Satan, I didn't know you. Yeah. Truth. That's kind of real, right? And wouldn't you think, if you saw, for those that are parents, you see your kid that's hungry, not hungry, wouldn't she be kind of concerned? I know if I see, when Bree and I see Audrey and she's not hungry, you kind of go, hmm, something's not right. 
I kind of wonder what's going on inside of her. I think the father kind of sometimes look at us, oh, wow, Mike, why are you not hungry? I have a life in abundance and hope and so much more for you, but you're not hungry for that? I think God sometimes needs us to be go, Dad, I am hungry. Feed me. <laughs> Feed me. 1 Corinthians 2.14. This is the passion also. It illustrates this well. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's spirit. That's simply said, the more that you focus on man's ability, your ability, says, God, I don't need you. I got this worked out. You know, I can go do my job and I can do my whatever and be a husband or a, a friend and I, I'll do whatever I need. I can do this. I don't need you, God. Think how much better it would be if you actually allowed God to speak into your life. Someone living on the entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's spirit for they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelations of the spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the spirit. You need the Holy Spirit in your life so he can help you understand the emotional seat that's going on in the, the butterflies or having a bit of discernment to create that fire and that desire. Like, irregardless, God, I'm going to trust in you. I want more of you. And that takes a bit of surrender. William Booth also said this, the greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. Wow. Do you want more anointing? Do you actually, would you like to see more of God in your life? Would you like to see more favor in your life? Then how much are you surrendering to God? How much are you willing to pay? And in fact, as I was kind of looking through, you know, someone that was actually filled and had promises spoken over her life was Mary. In Luke 153, here she is, Mary, just encountered the, uh, the angel Gabriel, and being told that she's going to be giving birth to the Messiah, the Redeemer, and um, she's kind of probably mulling this over, and going, wow, okay, I'm in a society right now where this is actually really shunned and not looked upon well, because um, we're not, Joseph and I aren't married yet, I'm pregnant, I'm giving birth to this supernatural Savior, and wow, what's going on? And, but she knew that God is so much bigger than that, and she said, he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. The rich has sent, he has sent away empty. God has a distaste for those who are not humble. God has a distaste for those who aren't humble. There's a bit of humility we need to walk in our lives, not, not always walking overconfidently in the sense of, like, arrogantly, but being humble, like, say, okay, God, you know what? I know for me, I need to understand more, like be a bit more humble every day because there are things that I know I'd like to see happen, but I need to trust in God for his strength to see those things happen. Number three, so we're talking about pulling on heaven. You pull on heaven by positioning your heart. You pull on heaven by staying hungry for more of God, and you pull on heaven for when your faith testifies. Your faith testifies and says, God, do it again. Do it again in a different way, in a more powerful way. I want to be hungry for more of you. I want to see you do it again in my life and in others' lives. Each one of you that now has Jesus Christ in your life has probably one of the most pivotal testimonies that the world needs. 
I love all the healings. I love all the provisions and the breakthroughs. But if you have Jesus in your life, if you really believe you have Jesus in your life, you carry that moment of conversion that says, Jesus, you are my king. You are my savior. You're my healer. You are my, my redeemer. You died on the cross, and you are the son of God, and I, you rose again. I believe in you. And that is the testimony we all carry that gets to spill over into a world that's trying to figure out what's going on because they want to trust more in the politics or the marketplace or the, uh, the government trying to give you a vaccine that may or may not work. You have the eternal provider, protector, healer, redeemer, you name it, endless, living inside of you. It's time to let them out. It's time to let them out, guys. Yeah, I want to say, throw a word of caution. When we testify, it's not about you. It's too easy to go say, well, I went and did this, and I prayed, and I did this, and then that person got healed. Oh, wow, I didn't realize it was all about you. You need to give God a bit of glory. So, you know, God moves mysteriously. God moves in this way. You know, I love when I... As a son that who probably isn't qualified, I went and prayed for a leg, and the leg grew out. And why it grew up is because God is mighty and powerful. It doesn't matter what I do. It matters what he is. Our faith level determines the power and anointing of our testimonies. Yes, Jesus said, if you have even a faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. But if you don't have faith in, in that mustard seed, you're not going to do, do a daily squat. You need to have faith. Even if it's a little bit, that faith, it's actually saying, I, God, actually, I have a lot of faith because I trust that this tiny little seed can do a lot more than I think it can. 1 John 5, 9 through 12. If we receive the witness of men, if we see, receive the witness of the world, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son, he who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him, him, God, has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony. That God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Pull on heaven. Pull on heaven. Just like I was in the beginning, I mentioned the story where I had to pull on heaven daily. Some days were really good. Other days were a bit hard. It doesn't matter. Keep pulling. Keep seeing that rope coming towards you, your breakthrough. Jesus paid for it. There's a bit of persistence that needs to happen for the windows to open in heaven sometimes. There's, there, there really is. You know... Call it what you want, but I believe there is something that comes to, to fruition that actually happens and thin places of heaven happen when we actually are a bit, a bit persistent. You know, I, I've got to work on that too. There's discipline that needs to happen. There's, there's an awareness that needs to happen. We need to set our hearts on him. We need to be hungry for more of him. We need to testify more about him. Let's stop keeping it to ourselves. Let's stop being selfish and be more about God, what he's doing. Whether you're going to the gas station, petrol station, translation there. 
whether you're going to the grocery store, whatever it might be, whether it, you're going to, next door to your neighbor, you can see that they might need a, just a, hi, how are you doing? That's all it takes. Pull on heaven. John G. Lake said, the glory of God, the glory of God is destructive of evil as it is creative of good. God is mighty. Why don't we all stand as I wrap this up and pray? We need to have faith ultimately in all of this. Our faith is the driving force behind all that we are. We need to feed on his faithfulness. Recently, I, I, I do follow a few people on social media. I'm not a big person of that, but there's one gentleman in particular who many of you have heard, Jeremy Riddle, who I believe is a worship leader. I have watched in person enter us as a body into the holy place. And that comes out of because he positions himself daily in the secret place. And he knows that when he's standing before the Father, it's not God going to go, hey, Jeremy or Mike, put your name in that. How great is your faithfulness because you did this and you did this and, and you provided this and you allowed this to happen. And you no, know, God goes, how good and faithful servant. Simply, how good and faithful servant. Do you have faith? Trust in the Lord. Psalm 37.3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Today, why don't we just pull on heaven as we wrap this? Why don't we close our eyes and let's, however it may look, let's position our hearts. Let's say, God, I'm hungry. I want to be full and yet still hungry for you. Father, I want to testify about you in my life. Maybe you need breakthrough today. Maybe you need to see that breakthrough happen. I tell you, pull on heaven right now. However that may look, pull on heaven. Jesus, come. We say, heaven, come. We say, heaven, come. We pull on your grace, God. We pull on your mercy, Jesus. We say, we want to testify to your goodness. We thank you for your son that came and took our place, God. But we also say, thank you, Jesus, as your sons and daughters of the kingdom of heaven. We say, Jesus, Papa, we need you. We need you, God. We want you, God. We want you in our lives to be revealed. We want to be salt and light on this earth. We want to testify to your goodness. We, pra we praise your name, Father. Jesus, Holy Spirit, come and fill those people that need breakthrough right now. May we be able to testify this day as we pull on heaven. We pull on your grace, God. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.